Hey, 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 this is Laura, and welcome to another episode of Fight Like a Girl, a survivor's tale. Fight like a girl, fight hard. Um, our disclaimer, Fight Like a Girl, survivor's tale does not condone violence in any form, um, shape, or form. Uh, let's go over our, our phone numbers. So for domestic violence, if you know of anybody that is going through domestic violence, or if you yourself are going through domestic violence and you're trying to reach out for help, you want to get help, you want to get out of the situation that you're in, call 1-800-799-7233. Um, we all get feeling down and feel a lot of despair or a lot of just, there's nothing left for me in this life. If Number one, I want you to know that you are valued. You are valued and your life matters. All of our lives matter. We, we have a part to play in this, in this lifetime and you do matter. If you are feeling like you don't matter and you just want to not be here anymore, you can call or text the National Suicide Hotline at 988. If you know of children that are in an abusive situation and need help, you can call 1-800-422-4453. If you know someone or you are LGBTQI and you are just in a situation where you're being abused, maybe where you live, if you're homeless, um, just any kind of abuse, reach out to the network, La Red at 1-800-832-1901. Um, I do have all of these resources on my website. And my website address is fightlikeagirlalwa.wix.com forward slash my hyphen site. So fight like a girl, A-L-W-A dot witsite.com forward slash my hyphen site. On there, you can hear the podcast. You can find those resources and contact information. Um, so today, the, our topic is going to be verbal abuse, whether that's in a relationship with a spouse, a friend, a roommate, a, um, an employer, with a different employee. So we're going to go over those. I'm going to share my stories and I do have a few that I want to share with you today. But before we do that, let's just kind of discuss, Hey, how's your week been? Uh, mine has been very busy. I have, uh, just been working and, you know, keeping up with the world as much as I can being a voice on my um, TikTok channel, which is awakened auras and free spirits. Um, being a voice for LGBTQIA and really putting it out there. And I just, I'm watching the, our United States and it's just terrifying right now. It's just terrifying. We ha not only have like states like Florida with crazy ass DeSantis in there, you know, banning uh, transgender, banning LGBTQIA, wanting to annihilate them, wanting them to be put to death. We've got Texas, we've got, you know, Missouri or M Mississippi. I mean, they're all just, I just feel like this, this uh, 
not con, but the um, United States is like going to hell in a handbag. And so I've been following the, the Montana representative, representative that is transgender. And I, I don't understand how they can ban her when she is an elected official, not hired by the other senators or House of Representatives, but an elected official, meaning that she is the voice of people that voted her in and her constituents are coming up and they're mad as hell. And they're just like, what are you doing? Because they banned her, which means their voice is being silenced. I don't understand how that can be legal. I'm sorry, I don't. And I heard something or somebody explained to me that, you know, the older generation that is our, our Congress and our public officials, everybody, they are, they're older. They're basically, you know, the silver, surf and silvers there. And I don't know what generation I fall into. I was born in 1969. And so... But I feel like the up and coming generations that are going to be the leaders of this country are pissed off and tired of these old silver surfers that are making the laws based off of their time. Like, you know, we're talking early 50s, you know, based off their time, which does not fit the times for now. The times for now is different. And people are so diverse and so different. And it's beautiful. I love diversity and different. I just, I, my heart breaks. And for me, and I can't sit, speak for my whole generation, but for me, I love everybody. And I'm very understanding. And if you want to live your life a certain way, it's your choice. It's not somebody else's choice. It's just not. And it, it's just so disturbing for me. I went to um, an LGBTQ bar on Friday night with my daughter and son-in-law. And it's called the Sun Trap in Salt Lake. And it was just beautiful to see all types, all walks of people come through there, gay, straight. You know, it just, it was amazing. And we had such a good time. We always do. We have good talks when we go there and just sit down and, and communicate with one another. And in the back of my mind, though, I kept worrying about some, you know, fanatic person driving by and just start shooting. Like that was in the back of my mind the whole time I was there. And I don't, I don't feel like we should have to worry about those things. I mean, we've got our kids in schools that are worried about going to school because they could not be alive by the end of the day. I mean, this is just, it's out of control, guys. And I'm sorry if I made some of you angry. Maybe some of you are, you know, right-wing conservatives, and that's okay, too. That's what this country was based off of. But I feel like both the left and the right, we should not be shoving each other's views down their, each other's throats. I mean, that's what makes America, the diversity. And we need to get back to being more accepting and not being so full of hate and discord 
it's, it's awful. It's awful. We're all human beings. We are all Americans. We need to stand together. We have enough outside forces. Each country does. Just in case I have listeners that are outside of the United States, I'm sure you're watching our country right now and being like, gosh, what the hell is wrong with them? Or maybe you have your own struggles, you know, with equality and um, things going on. So anyways, more power to the people. Let's stand united for sure, for sure. So let's talk today about our topic. We're going to be discussing verbal abuse. Um, So a few of my um, stories or things that have happened with me is, of course, you know, by now you guys know I grew up with a very abusive father um, that was both emotionally, mentally, physically, sexually um, abusive towards me and the horrific things that I had to endure as a child and growing up. Um, for me, the things that stand out most are things that we've talked about, which is the physical and uh, sexual abuse that I did endure. Um, but then when I got married and got past, you know, the first honeymoon years of a marriage, that's when my ex started getting verbally abusive with me more and more. Um, I remember one incident, we were living up in Northern California. It was like 1999 or 2000. It was like right there at the turn of the century. It was going into the 2000s and everybody was afraid that computers were going to shut down and the whole world was going to shut down. And it was a crazy time. And, and I remember I came out of the kids' room and I was walking towards the living room and I don't remember what we had been fighting about. But I remember him yelling at me, and that was the first time he called me a cunt. Now, this is about, I think it was year 2000, because my son was almost two at this point, or he was two. So it was maybe end of 1999. But anyways, um, I remember that so well because it cut me to my bone. Like mentally, I felt a crack. Because I feel like when you love somebody and you trust that person and they call you something so horrific as a cunt, that it just, it breaks you. Like mentally, I felt like I had this crack in my brain. And at first I was like, what? And then he said it again. And I remember I was just bawling and I'm like, why are you calling me this? Why are you? I don't care how angry we are at each other. Why are you calling me this word? I'm the mother of your children. I am your wife. And he just kept repeating it over and over. And uh, I, I felt so broken on the inside and mentally, physically, I was so heartbroken. And I think this is one of the first times I left him um, because I remember packing up my white station wagon that I had, a Ford station wagon, and then driving back down south in California to where my mom was at. And, um, but right after that, I remember I went to like my aunt's phone or somebody's phone and I was just pouring out my soul to my mom and, and telling her, you know, what had happened. Cause at this time, cell phones were not as prevalent. Not everybody had cell phones. Most people saw their landlines 
And I don't know if I drove to like a public phone. I don't remember. But I remember I was just bawling that he had called me this and just crying to my mom and saying, why, you know, why did he, why did he call me this? And, and then it was either the next day or the day after is when I packed up my, my station wagon and left and went to my mom's because that was such a monumental, like stab in the heart for me, even though I had started enduring some physical abuse, um, not a lot yet, not a lot. Um, but I was enduring some like pushing and things, but that verbal abuse is just horrific. And since I've been through verbal and physical abuse and neither one is more damaging than the other, honestly, it's, it's just awful both ways. But for me personally, the, the mental abuse was worse because my physical bruises healed but my mental bruises, they stayed with me for a very long time. Um, I mean, they were with me even until after I was divorced and I was trying to find myself again, which is many, many years down the road. Um, so anyways, I left him, I went back down to Southern California, I got a job, I got my kids and I a place, and um, he came crawling back. Well, the reason why he came crawling back, honestly, this is why I feel, um, is because where he was living in Northern California, he had a job, but he had started living out of his, his work truck because he couldn't stay in the apartments where we had been living. Um, and so he was living out of his work truck. He had like nothing, which I find ironic because he would yell at me about, you know, spending money, buying kid, the kids what they needed or whatever. And, but we always made it, you know, we'd always meet those things while we were together. But the minute he started becoming an ass and started doing these things and I would leave is when his life would start to fall apart. And so I am a firm believer in karma, big time. I totally believe in karma. And so... So I feel like he saw that I was doing well for myself. I had a good job. Like I said, I had gotten a place for me and my kids. It was a trailer. It was a one bedroom uh, mobile home. And I slept in the living room and gave the bedroom to my children. And I actually really loved it there. I did, we would go to the pool. I was starting to do better for myself mentally. And then he came crawling back and I was not strong. I was weak at that time. And because I didn't think that I could make it by myself, even though I was, but he had me believing that I couldn't make it without him. And so he came crawling back and things were good for a little while. We got a bigger place. You know, we, we were flourishing again and then more things started happening and throughout the years of being married to him for 15 years from 2000, or sorry, from 1992 to 2008 is when my divorce became final, March or May 2nd, 2008. Um, you know, I endured a lot, of, a lot of abuse and the verbal abuse. I mean, that from the first time he called me a cunt to the last time I ever spoke to him and I was a bitch, you know? I mean, it was just like, 
all through these years and I've always been overweight. But when I look back at pictures of myself, and this is making me really emotional because I look back at these pictures of myself. I was so fat. I'm still fat. Don't get me wrong, but I love my, I love me. I love my body now. And I look back at those pictures and I could see the unhappiness and I was huge. I literally weighed pretty much at 400 pounds. I was ginormous. And for any of you that are this overweight, my heart goes out to you. I'm still in the 300s, lower 300s. And my weight is a battle for me all since I was young. It always has been. And, um, but I look at these pictures and I'm like, how did I even function as a human being? How, how did the, how did I get there? How did I get to the point of being so overweight? And, um, which started causing other health problems. And I think about it and I'm like, all the emotional and mental verbal abuse I was taking, you know, he would tell me I was worthless and yada, yada. And I believed it. That's the bad thing about verbal abuse is that you start to believe it. You start to believe that you're worthless, that you can't get along, you can't get on in life without that person that you're a piece of shit, that you're lazy, that you're fat, you're ugly, you're, you're just worthless. And the verbal abuse causes so much self-doubt and pain. And to crawl out of that hole is hard fucking work, okay? So I, over those years, I left him six times and went back six times. The seventh time, is when I found out, you know, that he had, um, I found out on my birthday, 2006, that he had been sleeping around and we talked about those things. And so when I left that final time and came to Utah, I packed up my kids, you know, first we got an apartment there near him. And then I was like, no, I, I don't want to be here anymore. And I packed up and, and my kids and I, and we came up to Utah and I found a great job with Same Day Electric, Mr. Sparky, and the Beauchards were so good to me, so good to me. Then I got in a, a car accident and my fibromyalgia kicked in and um, I started packing on the weight again. Um, just this time though, not from verbal abuse, but from, um, you know, just not being able to move. And so life got a little hard again and we were renting a house from my brother. So let me give you a little bit of a story about my brother and my sister. So in California, I worked for a company called Service Experts. And I was leaving that job to go to another job. And so my sister had taken over um, my position. I was the office manager. Well, before I had left, the general manager and the general manager had just switched out. I think his name was Dale something. He had me sign a piece of paper that was blank. He said, the bank needs their signature so that we can, you know, do, cause we're making a lot of changes. And this was way before I was going to leave. And so I was like, yeah, sure. No problem. You know? Yeah, let's do it. And so, um, about, I think it was about a month to two months later is when I had decided to go to a different company and my sister was going to take over. Well, 
at that time, when I was there, my brother was a salesman for that um, company. And the general manager didn't like my brother and it was vice versa. Um, and so this piece of paper that I had signed, once I left, he typed up a letter to fire my brother and used it as my signature at the bottom. And my sister told my brother that she knew that I'm the one that wrote that letter. I never wrote that letter. Never, never, never. So from that point on, my brother looked at me as a, you know, just a backstabbing bitch. And so years progress. And here we are now in 2009, living in my brother's house and lived there from 2009 to 2012, mid-2012. And my brother always looked at me as a piece of trash, like white trash. And he, I remember one time we got into some argument, it was about this letter. And he was like, you know what? Everything that happened to you with your ex, you deserved it. It was your fault. Here's the one male figure in my life that I loved my brother. At my wedding, I didn't cry until I danced with my brother. And I loved my brother so much. And for him to say that to me, that broke my heart. It broke me so bad. It broke me. And he had friends on this cul-de-sac that we lived on. And when he came to the, to the cul-de-sac back to Orm to visit, because he had moved and we were in this house, he would visit his old friends there and act like we didn't exist, me and my kids. Here we are, his relatives, and he doesn't even come in to say hi. So over the years, our relationship went down and down. And of course, my mom is like, I don't understand why you just can't forgive him. Why you can't forgive him and move on. Guys, I can't tell you how many times I tried with him. I would say, I'm sorry. I would say, I love you. You're my brother. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just want a relationship. And yet I never got that relationship with him because he looked at me as white trash, like I wasn't good enough. And I would try to explain this to my mom. And always, always, she would take his side and tell me that I needed to stop, that I needed to be the one. And finally, years later, years and years later, I finally said enough. I can't be the one because it's breaking my heart every time I try to start a relationship. And he would tell me all these bad things about myself. And so I'm like, no, I can't anymore. And so there was more verbal abuse, you know, there. And something broke with my mom at that time, too. And we're still broken. Uh, you know, once that trust is broken, it's really hard to, to put that back. And, and so then, you know, things started getting better. And um, many things have happened in between that and here in the last couple of years. And, um, at one point, you know, I got this roommate and I had been a roommate of hers once before and, and knew better not to ever do that again, but I felt bad for her because I'm a fixer and her family had kicked her out and we had been living together in this two bedroom apartment and, uh, 
And I had just told her, I said, you know, when our lease ends, I want to be on my own. I don't want to live with anybody else again. I don't. I'm, it's very hard to live with me because I am OCD. I am a germaphobe and I have to have things just right. I like to decorate how I want to decorate. Um, and so I told her, I said, I'm not trying to be mean or anything. I said, but when our lease is up, I would prefer to be living by myself. Let's go our separate ways. Oh, she lost her Vulcan mind and she started calling me cunt. And that triggered everything from my ex. She would bang on my wall while I was working because I worked from home. She would make my life really hard. I was verbally abused day in and day out. Um, it was scary for me because I thought she was literally going to kill me. So I got through that. And, but I, the thing that I noticed that was different now from when my ex and my brother verbally abused me was that I was stronger. And um, I decided at that point I would never, never put myself back in that position. And from that point forward, I haven't put myself back in any position where I'm going to be verbally abused. Yeah, you know, there's people on the street that may yell, hey, hippo, or what, you know, but I'm like, screw you, F you, you don't know my story. Don't judge me because I'm sure you have a lot of crazy ass shit in your life and, you know, whatever. And so, but I'm strong. I am so freaking strong. I don't let anybody attack me in that way anymore, ever again. It will not happen. Um, I have my best friend, Ardeen, and she is my, uh, she and I do our other podcast, What Happens After Dark. And we're true crime paranormal and we go everywhere together and we're going to become roommates. We're moving to Pocatello and it, the inside of me is a little worried because I don't want this relationship to go south. I love her so much. But the thing is, she's different. She's not the same as this other person. And she respects me and she respects the way I live. And we're so similar. And, um, and I'm stronger. I know when I can ver ver vocalize and say, hey, this is bothering me and talk it out like adults. You know what I mean? So um, one thing, that, the reason why I say is that she accepts me is because I am a medium and I... Um, you know, I read tarot, oracle cards. And so my previous roommate that was verbally abusive would throw that all at me too and call me crazy and stuff like that. And Ardeen just totally respects me and understands and she knows. She has seen it firsthand. And so um, I'm excited. I'm excited for this new chapter in life. I'm here where I'm currently at until the end of October. And then I'm off to Pocatello, Idaho, where I am so excited to start the next journey of my life. So guys, that's, that's my verbal abuse stories. And there's more, there's more, but you know, for now, that's what we're going to, that's what, that's where we're going to leave that. Um, I do want to just mention that you can find my podcast, um, on Spotify, on Amazon Music, on Apple, on um, Deezer, Podcast Inbox, Samsung, 
iHeart, TuneIn, Listen Notes, and RSS. And of course, at my website, which is Fight Like a Girl, A L A D or sorry, let's start over. Fart, fight fart, the fight like a girl, A L W A dot forward slash my site. Again, that is fight like a girl, A L W A dot forward slash my hyphen site. Um, if you want to email me your stories, because I'd love to have you as a guest speaker or to share your story with your permission, email me at fightlikeagirlalways at gmail.com. Fightlikeagirlalways at gmail.com. Um, and yeah, I, this, was a, this was a good one to touch on. I feel like, you know, not all abuse is, is uh, physical. And we need to discuss that other side of what abuse looks like. So, all right, guys, keep it real. Thank you for listening. Please share. Please rate me on these different sites, please, because it will help my visibility. And I appreciate you. And you guys just have a great day. And bye.